0: Hey everyone, before we get started today, I want to let you know that we are running a new contest giveaway for another $300 Amazon or Steam gift card. Now to enter, all you have to do is subscribe to the Event Hubs podcast on any podcasting service, and then follow Catalyst and myself, Velociraptor, on Twitter, tweet at either one of us with a screenshot showing that you've subbed, along with a quick note sharing what you like most about our show, and then be sure to include the hashtag EventHubsPodcast so we can easily find you. Now, this contest is open to new and already existing subscribers, so just because you've been subbed for a while doesn't mean you can't enter. And it will run from November 20th until December 18th, after which we will announce a winner. This giveaway is restricted to participants in the US only. What are the chances for a Marvel vs. Capcom 4 reveal at Capcom Cup? What kind of potential impact could new V-Skills actually have on Street Fighter V, and how to start winning the war against Autopilot, all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast.
1: Perfect. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. I have a bit
0: of an amusing anecdote to to share. Uh, It's... Not so much fighting game related. Actually, it does affect fighting games in my life, so it works for the podcast. But it's mostly Thanksgiving-themed, and so I think it checks out. Uh, But Brittany, my girlfriend, and I, we are... Hosting Thanksgiving for the very first time at our house. Neither of us have done this before. We're inviting, you know, family over and whatnot. And this is something we we want to do a good mm-hmm. job, you know, because it's a little bit of a rite of passage, sort of a growing up kind of a thing. So we got this new dining room table that we definitely needed otherwise too, but got that. And we've loaded up the fridge and the freezer with Thanksgiving stuff. And we're being sure to dot our I's and cross our T's and such. And so on Monday evening, I go to the freezer to take the turkey out and put it into the fridge to thaw it right and as I'm doing that what catches my eye but the half gallon of bluebell homemade ice cream that we have by the way have you ever seen the bluebell commercials they're no, ridiculous no. they're they're so over the top they they're they're extremely bluebells actually you know what no bluebell they're, they're awesome uh, the bluebell is of course the highest quality ice cream that you can find at your local grocer and the perfect accompaniment to any Thanksgiving dessert uh so anyways <laughs> i'm kind of wanting some now
1: i don't even really know what it is so, yeah yeah i
0: i always do yeah so anyways i grab it and i pull it out of the uh the freezer and i open it up and i realize the ice cream is only at about like 60 percent frozen uh and i go oh crap does that mean the freezer's on the fritz right before thanksgiving putting potentially the whole holiday and everything we're trying to do in jeopardy so uh, I check and other items in the freezer are definitely a lot warmer than they should be. So I go, crap. Um, so I, I do some YouTube research and, and kind of figure out maybe the problem is that the coils are frozen over. And so I have to take everything out and uh, you know uninstall the back panel to get way back in there. And uh, try to check and right at this point I don't want to do any of this it's like 9 30 at night and I just want to like sit down on the couch and put Netflix on veg out get a big bowl of that bluebell homemade ice cream and let the flavor take me back to a memory of a simpler time you know when being on grandpa's farm and hearing the birds pleasantly chirp and the children play as grandma slowly churns the cream and Add several real vanilla beans for a taste as authentic as they come.
1: Yeah. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna clip that and we're gonna send it to Bluebell and say, "Hey, you need to sponsor our podcast because that was ridiculous." But yes, well, continue. but I can't do any
0: of that, right? I can't go to that magical place because I have to deal with this crap. So, uh, uninstall the back, and sure enough, I look back there at the coils, and Sub Zero has been going to town on it. It's completely iced over. So. Grab Britney's hair dryer and I turn that sucker on high and I hit the frozen coils with the retribution mechanic for about 45 minutes or so and melt that all down and uh, put some towels down underneath it, sop up all the water. But we don't even know if this is the problem, right? So we're just kind of shooting in the dark here, get that all done, put everything back in the freezer, put it back in its place, and kind of go to bed and say a little extra prayer and uh, sleep through the night, wake up a little bit before 6 (laughs) a.m., wake up with a certain anxiety, and I don't realize what the anxiety is because I'm in that twilight stupor. But the first actual full thought that comes in my mind is, all right, moment of truth, you got to go check. So I briskly get up, don't even shake the sleep from my eyes, march over to the kitchen, open up the freezer door, uh, and I'm using the ice cream now as a barometer to see if the freezer's doing its job or not. Pull it open, look into that homemade Bluebell ice cream pop off the lid, and sure enough, it's back to that perfectly cold and creamy texture that cools the tongue and warms the soul. So, long story short, we figured it all out, and uh, the freezer's working, looking forward to a good Thanksgiving now, hopefully no other problems with that. Uh, Hopefully a sponsorship from Bluebell, that'd be nice. Yeah, so, uh, oh, and then it's fighting game related, because as I was cleaning out the back and and, uh, thawing the coils, there's some, like, grating, and I totally sliced my right ring finger, and I cannot play fighting games for like probably like a week or so. So while you guys are enjoying playing uh, various fighting games over the uh, Thanksgiving break,
1: I will not be able to do that. So play an extra round for me. All right, we'll do that. I, I really liked how you implemented the whole retribution mechanic into the, you know, your freezer card. That was actually very good. Brand new tech, you know, here for the fighting game community on the Event House podcast. But um, so let's go ahead and get right into it now. Um, the odds of a Marvel versus Capcom 4 reveal at Capcom Cup are, you know, maybe another game. But I mean, Marvel 4 is like kind of like the hot item that we have been talking about. And people are immediately going to want to write this one off. And I understand. I I get it. I kind of had similar thoughts. But I'll note that Marvel games actually have a history here of sneaking up on us when people did not expect them. And and I want to take people back here to November 2016. You know, uh, Street Fighter V had come out that year. Uh, Ryoto Natsuma who was a producer on Marvel 3, he would actually tweeted back then that Marvel 4 was not in development. And then at that time, actually, and this is a story that you did, um, the p- people were putting some uh, some images out into the wild of like a Marvel 4, right? Like I think it was mm-hmm. like the Fantastic Four logo, all that kind of stuff. And you're like, hey, this is totally bogus. Don't believe it. But there are some leaks going around that you might want to believe. And, and so people, you know, they saw these statements and whatnot, and they were pretty skeptical. Like it was... Um, Hopes were actually at a pretty low point. Um, And and then all of a sudden, like some more rumors started coming up that like, hey, there might be another Marvel game in development. Uh, And a week after Natsuma put out that tweet, we started hearing that Capcom... um, uh, had a new marvel game in the works for multiple people that we trusted um and we ran stories about this as well so mm-hmm. people are still skeptical we actually put up a story asking our users uh like do you think a new marvel game is is coming right uh and the results were 50 50 uh, of th- those like um who thought it was coming and those who didn't like even with some pretty valid rumors uh, like ended up being valid right um yeah. uh even with some pretty reputable rumors is what i should say people were very skeptical and then about a week later after that poll at the PlayStation Experience, uh, Yoshinora Ono is running around the venue with a Wins Marvel hoodie on, and then Marvel <sighs> Infinite is announced. It, it, yeah. And yeah. it, it, it's like the timeline here is crazy is what I'm getting at. Like, there was like, no, 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 Ryota Natsuma said, like, you know, producer of Marvel 3, Marvel 4 is not happening. It's not going down. I mean, he technically wasn't lying, but, you know, he definitely was not obeying the spirit of, of truth right um, he was very much like uh, misleading on that and I mean it was it was crazy it was like boom there's a brand new Marvel game stuck up on us it was wild.
0: All of those pieces like a lot of them you could say well maybe they were something of coincidence and and there's a lot of word play like you're getting at with um, and, Suma and and it's like I don't know. You look at what's going on now, and the pieces do seem to sort of fit. But I do want to also ask, like, why so much reservation about it? Like, I, I get like the Hawkeye meme that keeps popping up. Like, don't get my hopes up. But why not? Why wouldn't this be a time? Because I'm trying. I'm. I try to be pretty practical. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I'd be. I'm pretty conservative. I'm guarded. I don't like this when it comes to Capcom. Holy crap, man! Like, I, I definitely don't. Uh, let my my hopes go too far and, and maybe i'm not personally hoping for a marvel game as much as as like the average marvel fan because i didn't play too much marvel versus capcom to me it's more of a you know a, a brand new big deal for the fighting game community not so much like something that i'm going to actively be playing as much uh, potentially but like i i think that things do sort of line up here it does make sense in the timeline and with all of capcom's focus being on street fighter 5 for so long and now it seems that they can really dial back on that after they finish what's going on here it's like what like are they are they going to do nothing are they twiddling their thumbs over in the fighting game department or is it exactly the right sort of time where we don't think it's street fighter 6 but they're going to be working on something big why why not a new other fighting game a
1: parallel one okay so a uh, uh, good question I, I actually go back to this one to Abigail's armor in Street Fighter 5 and I hate Dream King I love him you know he's a great friend of mine but I asked him he I, I, it, <laughs> he makes me angry sometimes but he I was like asking him to explain how Abigail's armor Works in Street Fighter Five, and if you've ever played actively against that character, you know that the rules of his armor change drastically within split seconds of time. And and like just hearing him explain it and laugh about it because of like how often it was killing me, like it just made me want to kill him. It, it anyway. So it goes <laughs> oh, back. Wow. In, <laughs> I'm just i just saying, it, it, Abigail may be a little salty, you know, just a little Apparently. bit. Apparently, yeah.
0: But I um, didn't realize it was this big of a deal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, 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 that this is kind of Marvel me it's like okay it's it's the rules here's what the rules are and yet at the same time like here's what it's with a, within a fraction of a second it's changing you know so I we can go uh, probably back and forth on a lot of things of like you know why this would not work so let me throw out a few and, and I've got you know I've got proof on both sides basically of why it could work and why it couldn't right yeah. but the burden of proof is definitely on like we need to prove that this is actually a feasible thing versus not um, right you know that we have to you know prove our case in court right so the court of the event hubs podcast or whatever it is but uh, but yes um, but a few things would be the release date window. Like this is like the game came out in September 2017, um, and it, it's a little bit close right now. Like especially to the next generation consoles and all that kind of stuff. Is Capcom going to release a game that close in this amount of time? And then Marvel Infinite was a big flop. This was not a game that um, was done very well, and and Capcom needs time to properly make a good release they they hopefully have learned a lesson of not rushing games out there and since not a lot of time has gone by have they had enough of that to put together a very very solid and good product since that timeline and and again I've got some theories on that but that would kind of be like the base of like man that left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths and then like I don't know if they've had it like to, to have do they do they still have the juice to make another marvel in them this quickly can they turn that around
0: so. If it's revealed now, now being next month or so, and we're still on PlayStation and, and the, the current PlayStation, PS4 and Xbox One, no other games have been revealed for the next generation consoles, right? We just know that the next generation consoles are coming. Have they, have they uh, talked a few, about? you, actually. Um, we've okay, got the new Halo so. game.
1: Um, and then... Uh, Elder Scrolls 6, I believe, has been uh, confirmed by Bethesda. Uh, and there are a handful of others. There's not many. Um, and then you've got games like Cyberpunk 2077, which is like kind of like a current generation thing, and then like also a future one, but yes. Okay. So in that case,
0: I'm thinking the door is sort of open where... Because if you go back to where Marvel Infinite was announced, was like a, almost a full year before it came, right? It was at yes. uh, the PlayStation Experience the year prior in, in the end of 2016. Yes. So December, the 2016. an announcement, yeah. So an announcement now, it's like maybe this is coming at you know for the next gen, and maybe it's not like eight months from now. Maybe it's like 14 months or something like that, which is like oh, it's a little bit long. But you gotta have, as we talked about last week, something big for your Capcom Cup reveal. And this just feels like that would be the thing. If you're gonna reveal Champion Edition now, and inst- or, or yeah, in November, why why reveal Championship Edition and this big of a thing? Not just Gil, because people would have been completely happy with just seeing Gil, you know. Mm-hmm. And then like they always oh, got a second V V skill. It's like yep, and more information's coming on that later. But like the whole Champion Edition and and such. And I don't know. I think you'd save that unless you had something bigger
1: yeah it's a it's a reasonable theory there and we again expect that capcom cup to to beat out you know the north america regional finals for announcements uh they they put out quite a bit there you know just as you mentioned and it's like well how are they going to top that um they might not top it we we, will see you know maybe Mm -hmm. they're they're topping it is like their esports push which we'll get into as well here um it's there's a lot of ways you could look at this but i i do side more with you like man you, you guys have I'm assuming you're going to have something more up your sleeve than than just, you know, another character, right? Like, uh, it's got to be kind of something big. But but going back to this, actually, as you mentioned, uh, Marvel Infinite got announced at the PlayStation Experience December 2016. That's an important date to remember because Street Fighter V was announced also at the PlayStation Experience in December 2014. Uh, both games average close to a year of marketing between them, um, and this is you know that's something to note that that a lot of games when they're announced they have a whole year of kind of marketing and hype that kind of is able to build up. Um, it's not always a full year, and sometimes it's a little bit more than that, you know. Uh, but it, about the average is about a year, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, Capcom likes the December window for announcing new games. Capcom Cup is in December. Their last two major fighting games they've announced, Marvel Infinite and Street Fighter Five, have both been announced in December. So mm-hmm. I'm like I think a, you you mm-hmm. said
0: PlayStation Experience for the 2014 thing, and, yes. and but in the, the it was it was that, that I don't think there was the. Because in 2014, we were just at the um, the one theater for Capcom Cup, and it was a one-day thing, wasn't it? Where Oh, okay,
1: yeah, I think you might be right. But, like, but yeah. the point
0: is, it was done at Capcom Cup, and yep. that's the significant thing. And and more so than the PlayStation experience, the significance of even the following years was that all of these announcements were, were surrounding Capcom Cup.
1: Yeah, they're, they're happening in December. Capcom likes the December window for announcing stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and nothing says they can't do it elsewhere, right? They could do it at E3, they could do it at Evo, um, but the last two major game games major fighting games it's happened here and so that adds to the argument so but i want to go back now to the next generation consoles here uh and i want to talk a bit about these what their what their feature set is because as far as i've seen the level of backwards compatibility for the next generation xbox and playstation 5 are unprecedented for these two companies and and uh so i know that like you know the playstation 3 could play some of the ps1 games and such right um But a lot of the architecture of what these new consoles are built on is the exact same as this generation. They're just quite a bit faster. So there will be bugs there. There always are when you're, you know, doing backwards compatibility and all that kind of stuff. But the level of compatibility that we're looking at should be better than we've ever seen from Microsoft or Sony Uh, that I can recall anyway. Maybe someone could correct me on that one. But I mean, for for the consoles, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this and with that, that creates a bit of an opportunity for game makers where they have, uh, um, they can have a next generation title, but still release it on all of the existing cons- consoles and not have a lot of work to do to make that all function. And I don't know if
0: it's apples to oranges or not, because I don't know how all of these things work on a, a nuanced enough level, but it takes me right back to an example from God, way too long ago, it seems like yesterday, but when Guitar Hero 3 was coming out, it was released on the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, which were the, at that time the, the newest consoles, but it was also on um, PlayStation 2 and you could get either one and like the playstation 3 experience was a little more you know a few more details in the graphics and i'm sure it was a little bit better in that regard Uh, maybe an extra song or two but otherwise it was the same game it was widely the same experience now i don't know if guitar hero is very very different than a fighting game like marvel or something like that but it's been done before and that's something to take into account it's like we we bring up we put a lot of barriers and obstacles down that seem like they're probably barriers and obstacles. But there's also been a lot of times where those things haven't actually, you know, come to be. Like, it's a very different example, but Gil, um, Gil coming to Street Fighter Five, and we're all like, no, you can't do that because Yurian has a Gil costume. Well, they would never do that. It's like, well, who said that? You know, like, yeah, I get where you're coming from, but don't put yourself in so
1: much or don't put these, uh, these ideas in so much of a box because you're just not sure. Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing about the, these new consoles is that the technical difficulties of doing this stuff have been I don't. I'm, I definitely can't say removed, but they've been heavily mitigated. Uh, and I'll remind actually everyone uh, going back to Mortal Kombat 10, Mortal Kombat X, whatever you want to call it. Um, It was actually announced that they were going to have a 360 and PlayStation 3 ports of the game, but those were canceled because of how difficult it was to get those games on those platforms because of architecture differences and all that other kind of stuff. Like it was, you know, they just canceled the ports. They said, screw it. We're not even going to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, That should not. And I'm going to knock on wood with this one should not be a big concern in this console lifespan. And because of that. That creates opportunities for game developers that I don't know if they've really ever had before on Sony and Microsoft consoles. Nintendo consoles are usually backwards compatible with a lot of the stuff they're doing, right? Like, especially with, like, the Wii, Wii U, GameCube, all that kind of stuff. You could just go back and it would all work, right? Mm -hmm. But for these other mainstream consoles, um, that has not been the case. And... And now it's like, oh well, if we port this to the new consoles and we release it on the old ones, we get all the market share. We don't have to worry about a very small user base who you know may or may not buy this product. It's like we've got the entire user base plus a new one to come in with, and that leads me to believe it's like having hitting a brand new game on the you know the the launch window of new consoles. It used to be a bigger deal because of those things, and now mm. Marvel Four potentially coming in this timeline, like it's like, oh wow, that could work. You know, that's yeah. not as big of a barrier as it once was. Now let me hit you with a different barrier that may or may not be a
0: barrier, but let me bring it up. The example that I gave on uh, like net play and such was not the biggest thing at the time. There was it was emerging and it was a thing and and the Guitar Hero 3 had that actually. But would you be able to it's not, not, would you be able to, uh, I'm sure you could have like PlayStation four and PlayStation five consoles play with each other online. Mm-hmm. I, I assume you could, but would there be any
1: kind of red tape that might go into that? Um, there would be with like interfacing with the PlayStation network protocols and all that kind of stuff. But Sony has very recently opened up how much they're enabling cross play, I should say. Um, and they've even talked about working directly with Microsoft on that. Uh, and I think they are in, in a few regards and whatnot. So, um, There are some technical hurdles there, but it's, I mean, the PlayStation and the PC already talked to each other with Street Fighter V. Like, we already know it's very possible to do. It's just, it's work on the developer's end, and will they do that? You know, um, but I can't see any major, you know, red tape or technical problems getting in the way if they're truly dedicated to doing this. Even even across like PS5 to Xbox One shouldn't be an issue. It's the same architecture. It's literally what you're actually using with the um, with your current you know Xbox One or a PlayStation Four um, are the new consoles. you actually basically have um, essentially a PC in there. Like you you've got mostly PC components. I'd have to look over every single tech specification, but I believe um, it's very much the same. And so that's how come they're they're able to be so backwards compatible. Uh, the you know you're not really talking about a night and day difference with your CPU. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I'm convinced. Yeah, so um, uh, so given a year of marketing time, let's say we get Marvel 4 announced at this year's Capcom Cup, uh, we'd likely have the next generation consoles in our hands before the game is released, which means it could be a, a quote-unquote launch title here uh, for those platforms. If you don't mind categorizing, again, a, a launch title as you know a, something that follows maybe four or five months afterwards, right? Well,
0: well, mm-hmm. well, if we announced it now, then it would be a full year because they're coming out holiday season, right? Yes. Uh, Before the new generation comes out. But in the example last time, for instance, it was December to September. It was nine months, right? right? Uh, So what's to say it couldn't come out just at the very, very end of PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, but then also once, I guess it technically would be a launch title that sort of already exists because it's on previous generations. But I I feel like that could happen just as easily.
1: Yeah. The only thing about that is Capcom loves the early release window, usually before March 31st of every year. Um, They love that, like, you know, January, February, uh, March kind of area because Street Fighter 4, Street Fighter Cross Tekken, the first Marvel 3, and Street Fighter 5 were all released in that time frame. It is, they just love that window. Um, they don't have to compete with all the other major holiday games. Uh, and that would put, you know, Marvel 4 coming out around four or five months um, after the next generation consoles come out. So you could kind of, you know, term that a launch title if you want to. I don't know, you know, what the exact terminology would be there, but that would be potentially the window we're looking at if we got an announcement here. Uh, well, okay. So the thing that scares me there as
0: far as whether or not this is going to happen is if that's how things play out, then aren't you looking at like a 15 or 16 month? uh span between the announcement and the release of the game like that's
1: pretty long People yeah i'm to be mad about that i mean it, it's um it's it's not too bad like most games are falling into that i mean it, it's it's somewhere in that vicinity about like you know Thirteen, fourteen months, you're right. Um You but, know, God
0: of War, the most recent one, made me wait like ten years before like, <laughs> it felt like it was like it was like two or three years before the time between the time we heard about it and it came out. So Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean Street Fighter Five was the same thing. Like I mean, that was the exact same window that we're talking about here, and most people seemed okay with that, especially, you know, since we've got a fighting game to kind of tide us over for this point sure. in time. You know, there's some there's hype hype to be built there and all that. So
0: mm-hmm. That's fair.
1: So, if this is still a little too far fetched for people and they think like the release dates are too close from infinite to potentially seeing a Marvel 4, well, um, I, I do want to talk about Tatsunoko versus Capcom, which was released in December 2008. Um, Street Fighter 4 followed that in February 2009. And then Marvel versus Capcom 2's re release, which was um, ported to the 360 and the PlayStation 3 at the time, uh, was summer of 2009. And then, so, following that, Marvel 3 actually came out a year and a half later after Marvel 2's re-release. So, um... If you're saying that it's not fair to kind of re-release his date in this process, sure. So we'll go back to Tatsunoko versus Capcom, uh, which was also produced by Ryoto Natsuma, which is, again, he is Marvel 3's producer. So he worked on both games very actively, had a heavy hand in them. Uh, and then Tatsunoko versus Capcom, if you're not familiar with it, that was very much considered a spiritual sequel to Marvel. A lot of the the elements and the way the game played, like a lot of people thought saw that as a, a Marvel entry, even though it didn't have it exactly in the name, right?
0: I mean, it's very... Versus and it's not part of the versus series, but I can see why people would make that uh, connection
1: Yeah, it it played like Marvel, you know what that was kind of the big thing. But um, so Tatsunoka versus Capcom uh, Came out a bit over two years before Marvel 3 was uh, released. So it's If you're looking at Marvel Infinite, you have to remember the game came out in September 2017 and if the release date we, we've just outlined before holds true, and Marvel 4 comes out in the early part of 2020, that would be a two and a half year gap between games. And that timeline fits. It's it's kind of squeezing it, it's getting a little closer because Capcom has outright said that it takes them about three years to develop a brand new game. And that's about, it's, it's not, you know, hey, every game is three years. So two and a half years would be cutting it a bit close, so we will see. Mm-hmm. Um, But since Marvel Infinite flopped hard enough, like right away, like, I mean, the game came out and it was pretty much like fairly underwhelming from the start. There was a little bit of hype around it, but most people were not happy with the graphics and kind of like overall with the game. Um, It wouldn't be super hard to convince me that they stopped development on Marvel Infinite shortly after it was released because it just was not going well, right?
0: Right. Uh, well, and well, we'll get to this in the esports thing. But they even were proposing to do, you know, a whole. They had a lot more plans for the game, and it's very clear that a lot of those plans were cut short. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So when they were cut short, is kind of a sticking point, I'm sure. You know, um, you really do want that three year window uh, of development, because again, we've seen too many fighting games get rushed out from Capcom. I don't know. If their fighting game division takes three years to make a great product because they've been doing this for so long and they know so much of what goes into it, I don't know if they exactly need a full three years on it to to get it to go. But but yeah, um, it's I look at the timeline and I go, yeah, it's possible. It's it's squeezing it, it's cutting it close, but it's it could be done. Um, and then so next up here we have a uh, Filipino champ and combo fiend. And we're not going to cover everything in depth that we've said before on prior podcasts. If you want to go look at some of our other Marvel 4 podcasts where we go in-depth on this stuff for about an hour, so please check those out. But a very quick recap would be that Combo Fiend is now at Marvel. He used to be at Capcom. Uh, He is obviously a very big Marvel guy, uh, quite well known for that franchise. Um, Filipino Champ was known to have insider access to Marvel Infinite. He actually released the demo build that he had and streamed it and did some stuff that probably got him in a good bit of hot water from that. But um, Uh, But he basically called a brand new Marvel game a lock a few times on Twitter, and he said, "Hey, it's it's happening. It's just going to be a matter of time, guys. Um, You know, with some insider access there, like you can you can take that you can take those statements as like reasonably likely to happen. I think you know it's Mm -hmm. he could be out of the loop now, and maybe they've canceled their plans or whatever. Um, That could have happened. But um, but moving on from that, uh, Marvel. Oh, go ahead. Just to
0: just to Ryan Filipino Champ's credit." the guy's you know he's got his personality out there and he's been villainous and i've thought like but he has a lot of charisma why Mm. does he have so much charisma all the time if he's such a dick so much of the time and the reason is is because there's so much truth in what he says and if he is anything as far as my experiences with him uh he's not a liar yeah and so when i see those things him saying that stuff i go he might not do it in the in the nicest way,
1: but there's almost always truth under everything that he's saying. Yeah, um, he actually reminds me a lot of Muhammad Ali, where he will shoot off his mouth and get stuff going, but he gets people very hyped and very interested about stuff. Uh, and he's a super smart dude, very very clever. Um, I've met Ryan offline uh, and talked to him a bit. Um, I'll just say his persona when he's up on stage and has a camera in front of him is a good bit different than (laughs) he's way nicer. (laughs) He's actually a really nice guy. He's very thoughtful. He's very cool. But he he, again, it it really reminds me of Muhammad Ali, which is like a brilliant compliment, dude. It's like that is like that guy was such a showman. He got in so many uh, great situations by just knowing the right things and right places to say them. Um, It really reminds me of that. But But anyway, I digress. Uh, Marvel, uh, if you look at, you know, you follow their Twitter accounts and whatnot of people that have worked on the games and, you know, are still with the company, they're very cozy with Capcom still. It's, I've seen a number of their employees shouting out Capcom for their fighting game work, like even stuff that has nothing to do with Marvel. They're like, oh, Street Fighter V, this is great, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. The two companies, they're still very cozy. They're still very happy with each other. You might think there's some like bad blood or whatever, but the way that Capcom exited with Marvel Infinite, like not pushing it, you know, you know, not um, saying like, oh, it has to be you know, a part of the tournament circuit, all that kind of stuff, like letting it fail and keeping that relationship cultivated with Marvel was a big deal and we've seen their games pulled from the store we've seen all this kind of stuff like marvel and capcom continue to have a very very good relationship and it's i mean i even go back to like with marvel 3 cuz people at that time they outright said like look uh, it was you know it was a, a 11 year gap from marvel 2 to marvel 3 and and before marvel, marvel 3 was announced people were like it's never going to happen we're never going to see it marvel is way too big these are some of the biggest ip characters on the planet if not the absolute biggest and there's no way that they're going to work with Capcom again. Why would they? Like that put just, it in a box. Yep. you know that's us doing that again. Exactly. And, and again, that was proven to be completely, you know, uh, wrong. It was, it was just flat out wrong. And, and there it is. So get your hands away from the space stones, guys. Stop putting stuff. <laughs> 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 um. So I really do think with all the stuff that we've outlined here, it's only a matter of when and not if a new Marvel game is coming. I think it's pretty much a lock. It's It's been good for both companies overall. Um, esports is a gigantic deal for Capcom. And it makes a ton of sense for them to revisit Marvel at some point. Um, and we have seen in the past with, with Street Fighter and Marvel, they have operated in the same space and they have not cannibalized each other at all. Like, they've been fine. Like, maybe a little bit of cannibalization. But, like, overall, they've both been able to to peacefully exist and successfully exist with both of each other in tandem and, and not have any issues. So... I can poke some holes in this theory and I'm sure there's people listening to this podcast and are going to be in the comments and on Twitter and other things like that saying hey you know you're not looking at this and not looking at that there's there's plenty of holes in this theory but Marvel is unpredictable like you just kind of never know how these games are going to resurface and, and and again the only lock I can think of at this time is like it's going to resurface I just don't know when
0: Mm-hmm. So. And so maybe it's in December of twenty nineteen, or at least that we get the reveal for it. But it's and this has all been about the potential of a Marvel four. But we're talking about Capcom, and we're talking about Capcom Cup, and what might be revealed there. I'm thinking, Marvel 4 is probably your best bet if some new game is revealed, but, like, what's to say it's not some other, you know, you brought up Tatsunoku versus Capcom. Mm -hmm. How long has it been since we saw CVS? And SNK is getting their hand in every single cookie jar right now. They have guest characters all over the place. Maybe we're seeing something along those lines. Like, it's not just Marvel that has potential here. It's just something parallel to Street Fighter to carry... uh, to, to maybe be on the pro tour or just to be the other Capcom fighting game since we haven't had anything fresh in a, in a good little while
1: yeah yeah it's a, I think there's a case for other games, but I think Marvel has the biggest case because it's just such a popular game in eSports and it's not it's not being represented at all It's like it's not as bad as not having a Mortal Kombat or a Tekken out there, but it's comparable it's like look no one is playing marvel right now not really my apologies to the people still playing infinite i get there's a scene out there that supports it but on the big stages it's not happening it's and not at it, evo you know yeah and it, so it's a it's a big thing out there um but i will point out here that that marvel 4 was outright disconfirmed by a capcom employee a week before infinite leaked and, and even after we heard believable rumors about it, half the community didn't believe it. Like they're like, nah, you know, kind of thing. And much like how Marvel is an unpredictable game to play, it's also an unpredictable franchise to know exactly what may or may not be happening with it. Um, but reasonable doubt. That's what I wanted to create here. Just some reasonable <laughs> doubt of like, yeah darn it like you mentioned it last week Steven brought it up to me Dream King brought it up to me like completely unrelated like he just like oh yeah like I could see a Marvel 4 totally happening and like you guys got me on board you sold me on it it's like yeah I can see it I can I can just see it happening it's unpredictable enough where yeah if they pulled out a Marvel 4 I'm not even going to be shocked but if there's a camera on me I'm going to act shocked as hell and I'm going to do the douchebag faces (laughs) I always talk about I'm doing it completely so yeah Right on, right
0: on I, and i will be watching you instead of the screen the whole time in that case
1: uh, Man, I'm, I'm making a big commitment there so i better better work on those faces in the mirror it's sometime. gonna be a story on the website <laughs> catalyst reacts cries like a little girl oh no that would be good I, i'd read it so yeah anyway um so uh moving on here uh we, we've hit the marvel subject here pretty hard so mm-hmm. uh, i want to get into how useful uh will the new v skills be in street Fighter 5 yeah, And and we're recording here on Wednesday morning, so if more V-Skills are showcased soon, please keep in mind we haven't seen those yet. Um, but we're going to try to make this content pretty evergreen, um, you know, to see you know, what we can kind of stick with. But if your existing V-Skill pretty much sucks, the odds of you getting a better version of it are pretty darn good. And, and let me give you some examples about that. Uh, because Ryu and Sean are, are generally considered to have some of the worst V-Skills in Street Fighter V. Um, And their new moves look to be way more functional than their existing V skills do right now. Chun-Li, like it looks like she has like an overhead or at worst it's her flip kick attack from Street Fighter 4. Maybe it's not Mm -hmm. an overhead, but that looks like it can go over some moves, giving her another way to approach and to dodge around attacks in neutral, which should be good for her. Um, Having Chun-Li's jump trajectory like altered is super situational and only has a few practical setups like throughout a match. It's not totally worthless, but it is among the worst V-Skills in the entire game for how little you're actually able to use the darn thing.
0: Well, is one of those characters that you absolutely, <laughs> that you really don't want to jump very much with. She's got such a strong ground game and she's so floaty that if you're, if... If you want to try to teach yourself not to jump, you play Chun-Li for a while because she's one of the, she's just traditionally had very poor jumps and such. And like that's not to say that like um that her aerial situational stuff like you were getting at isn't uh, uh you know worthwhile or usable, but just think how often do you see this V skill used in a match? And like how often is her V skill the thing that gets her to V trigger? It's like virtually never, right? And you want stuff that that you're going to be able to use with your character's kit really as a central part of your character's kit or arsenal and uh, and so yeah everything that you just said it's like exactly this is something that she's going to be able to use in neutral she's going to be able to uh to meld with her other pokes and and with um her other ground approaches and maneuvers to actually be part of what she's doing uh very much more frequently than the goofy hop
1: yeah (laughs) judging by looks alone this will give her a brand new move that can be used throughout the match. as you just mentioned, instead of just isolated situations and matchups where again, I, I do think her V skill has some use, but you compare it to someone like a Nakali or a Colleen and you're just like, Oh my gosh, that, that's, you know, a night and day difference. So a gigantic improvement for her, um, And there's a marked difference of having a move that's fairly useless versus one that you can use a few times in a round. Even if it's a few times, that that is a huge boon to have in Street Fighter V because you're building V-Gage, which V-Triggers are important for pretty much every character on the roster. Shout-outs to Vega, but besides him... (laughs) so, Capcom's history of adding useful moves in Street Fighter V is actually very solid. Like, they're, they're trying to give every move a purpose and such. And, and that was stated to us by the developers, like, back when the game was a development. We knew about this stuff, and they've generally delivered on that. Obviously, with a few V skills, they've clearly missed that mark. But overall, I would say the ratio of moves that serve a purpose in Street Fighter V and actually have a defined use is better than any game in Street Fighter history. Like, overall, the amount of useless moves in Street Fighter V is less than any game in Street Fighter history, in my opinion. And we
0: we will acknowledge Zangief's kick-only counter as maybe not one of those, and we'll acknowledge Cammy's air grab that she got uh, as maybe not one of those, but you're saying generally speaking and and i have to agree because we even know that it was an intentional thing that they were directly focusing on because there were so many attacks in street fighter 4 which was the freshest in everyone's mind it was the is the biggest example to go off of when going into street fighter 5 and like what was it a had head a couple of moves that you just would like never use and uh, i think that was just the example cited so yeah it was intentional to make sure that every button has a purpose every move has a purpose and so uh, although they did miss the mark with some of these V skills, yeah, sure. I do think you're right.
1: Yeah, and, and part of this was due to you know removing close range normals too, right? That's a mm-hmm. it's a bunch less moves that you don't even have to worry about designing and you know balancing around all that kind of stuff. Um, so. Uh, With Ryu, the phrase is that it's usually better to just DP than to try to parry something. Because with the parry having as much recovery as it does and the spacing on it, you can be left in situations where you can't punish even after you successfully parry something. And it's not true in all cases, but it's true in far too many of them. And... um, now that we've actually seen reuse V-Skill before, um, and we've, we've talked about it previously on the podcast, I won't cover it in-depth again, uh, but I will just say it looks like it'd be quite a bit more useful than is V-Skill 1. And so where, where I'm getting at with this stuff is like, one, Capcom's history of, of designing useful moves generally is very strong. And then two, the... Um, uh, it's not hard to make something more useful than what they already have, right? Like that's they set the bar low. <laughs> There's a real low bar with the chest. <laughs> they've recruited
0: James Cameron to come and bring in new V skills and raise the bar. Oh my
1: goodness! So, uh, yeah, uh, it's it, it. So that's why it's a very positive thing for for these characters who have pretty much sucked. Like I do think Vega and um, you know what. Vega is like the one thing that scares me because it's like, is Capcom gonna crap on him more? Like, I talked to some Vega mains, and man, are they so just mad about the character? I don't even mean like, like how low he is, like just what he is in Street Fighter V compared to like what he was in past versions of the game. He's a very different character, and just um so he's one exception. Maybe <laughs> I'm not gonna be very confident about Vega, but with Ryu and Chun Li, I'm pretty darn confident that their new V skills are gonna be better than what they have right now. And, and there it is. So a-, a little bit of a curveball here. It- with regards to
0: Vega, because he comes up so damn much in these discussions, and for good reason. But you think about what he does as a character, what would be a realistic V-skill for him? And I'm kind of putting this on the spot here, because I'm sitting brainstorm this, but just like, logically speaking, and it doesn't have to be the specifics of the move, but where does he need something, and it... it kind of has to be, not necessarily just offensive, but it has to end in some kind of a strike or something to build gauge, right? But where does he need something in his game that would that would help him out and that he could use on the regular? Like, what type of character
1: is he uh, you know, some kind of an, another poke maybe, like, I don't know. Uh, but- if you give him his flip kick back from Super Turbo uh, that move had some invincibility on it. and Oh, it was like a DP, right, in, in Street Fighter Four, the EX version. Yeah, and uh, it was that way in Super Turbo as well. And it's, it's not a full-on DP. I mean, it's got more vulnerability. But having that for Vega and being able to do, like, anti-airs and stuff with it, um, that would make him a tremendously better character. Even if you left everything else intact, uh, that would make his neutral so much more better. Um, and just his anti-air is still something he struggles with, which is kind of a joke in this game because everyone's anti-air in Street Fighter V is usually pretty good uh, overall. And it's weird that like Vega gets kind of like crapped on with his anti-air. I really don't get it. But um, that's, that's where I would start with him is giving back his flip kick. So um, a point that you brought up actually, John, is that it's very important to keep in mind how big of a factor it is to lose a character's V skill. Like so, yeah, we're, we're, their other one, their other one, exactly. So if you go to V skill, you know, two, you're losing V skill one. And and a great example of this would be, it would might take an insane V skill to get Nikali players not to use his ground pound. Um, yeah. And the odds of Capcom adding another super useful V skill to, to Nacalli are very slim, in my opinion. It's or like like,
0: like Dalsim. Like how much does Dalsim use his V skill? Which is the float, right? Like, yep. can you imagine a Dalsim Street Fighter?
1: You have to reinvent how you play the character. Yes. Yeah. And, and we have a, another example of this with Cody with his uh, V-Skill 1, which is his DP in reversal. It's a damn good move. Um, it's a meterless reversal. It can AA. Uh, it can get people off of you on wake up. Um, Cody's V-Skill reversal can be mediated uh, to counter it. Like you can you, know, you can stick out a media, Um It's not invincible until frame three, and then it has 14 frames of startup. But um, for not having to spend EX meter, it's a killer attack. To, uh, to build V-Gage. Like, you you play a very good and experienced Cody player. Um, I, I still don't understand why he's as low tier as he is, but, like, they make you fill that V-Skill. It is a big deal. Um, so his V-Skill 2 is a dodge, and why I totally respect the homage to Alpha 3 Cody, and, w- you know, we're posting highlights of, like, what this could look like, it, it doesn't seem like something that's going to make his main switch over from that V-Skill 1. Like, it just giving up his final fight attacks is, like, I think too much, and... And and there you kind of have the other thing where if you have, you know, we, we just talked about Ryu and Chun-Li having completely crap V-Skills. Well, if you have a really good one, I don't know how much your V-Skill 2 is even going to really matter in this equation, right? It's like they can pretty much give you a big flashy thing and it's like, ah, no thanks, I'm good with what I have. You
0: know. And that's probably going to happen more often than not. History has told us when there are two options, sometimes, sometimes both are a thing, and then you're like, "Well, that's really good. Give that to Akuma for sure." But, <laughs> but sometimes it's like only for certain matchups, and a lot of times it's you. You really don't play that one unless you're just goofing around or something or trying stuff out. Yeah. Uh, and and that might very well be the case with Cody. You make a good point there. But when I think about it, the V skill that he has now is very much a defensive one, right? Because it works for an anti-air, like you said. You can't really use it on wake-up, although you do, because <laughs> did they meet you correctly? You don't know. Um, it's a get-off-me move, and that that move has always been a get-off-me move in all of the traditional, you know, final fights and everything. And so it's it's like, well, with this new one, which is the uh, the dodge, well, that's much more of a um, like an approach. And a pressure and an offensive, uh, part of an offensive arsenal more so than the the kick is. And so, uh, like, maybe best case scenario with the characters that already have good V skills is that this would indeed open up a way to play the character differently. Yes. So you know, with Nikali, maybe they give him something and and Dalsim too. It's like, it's hard to imagine. Well, what else could you give him? Well, you really couldn't give him anything that would make his current game plan or in in this case, they're both guys. So their current game plans any different, right? But maybe this unlocks a whole other way of playing more defensive, more offensive. You know, something along those lines. And that would be awesome because then you're getting into the realm of, well, now it's just a choice of creativity and player expression and furthering that whole thing. And that's something that we've talked about quite a bit. We as a community have always been like, you know, we needed new V-Triggers because there wasn't enough um, uh, ability to express yourself and everyone looked the same no matter who was playing them. Mm-hmm. That, so so there are a couple of different ways of, of, of winning, if you will, if you're Capcom. Was one, fix the characters that don't have squat, like Vega or, or Mika when it comes to their V skills. Well, I, yeah. Uh, but then also if the characters do have good V skills, well, then just give people a choice and that's your objective there. So with Cody, maybe you're right, but maybe this just opens up a different way of, of focus. And it's like not to say it's going to reinvent the character, but maybe you can be a little more aggressive. And then what does that do for you? Maybe that, that that's better, or maybe it's just equally good, but different. And that would be best case scenario. Yeah,
1: yeah. And now that we've covered the two extremes there of, like, you know, people who already have a great V-Skill and the people who don't, I think where things get really interesting is the characters with middle-of-the-road V-Skills. And – you know, assuming Capcom gives characters a worthwhile option here, um, you might see some people change back and forth between V skills with um, with characters who fall into this category. Uh, and a few characters here, just to you know, give examples, would be um, I think Akuma is a middle of the road you know V skill character. I don't think his his V skill makes or breaks him. Uh, Balrog, Birdie. Uh, I think Dalsim is more middle of the road. Uh, you th- think he's more higher end with it, but you know. Well, um, I think
0: it's it's integral. I don't think it's necessarily an amazing V skill, but I think it's become extremely integral to his game. Because
1: how often is Dalsim floating? Gotcha. Uh, And then uh, Laura, and then there's a few others. Like, I think Minot's a middle-of-the-road, you know, V-skill character. And uh, what I mean by middle-of-the-road here, just to define that a little bit more, is they definitely have useful V-skills. But you could see the right move being added where it becomes a choice on if you no longer want to use that first V skill and go with the newly addition, you know, the brand new one in this game. So and many other character situations, that decision is already being made for you. Um, but I think with characters without a clearly dominant one right now or a terrible one, you know, the the, the choice is going to be pretty obvious. Right. So anyway, so <clears throat> with these other fighters, I think you're going to see more freedom of expression with them, something you were just talking about. As various players will use different V-skills and hopefully V-trigger combinations now, um, this might open up some stuff with their V-triggers that previously was not possible. Like uh, one of the things I want from Anot is like a drill, right, because she does not go very, one, I love Rose's drill, it's like my favorite move in Street Fighter history, so of course I would love to have that. Um, but it might uh, enable some long range combos for her and, and might enable some brand new stuff we've never seen before, and again, it goes back to that creative expression you we were just talking about we might see a whole brand new style of street fighter 5 with the meta evolving and with these kind of like new choices to really have a way of artistically bringing your style to life and you know we talk about freedom of expression it's, it's really it's having it's having the ability to do that and have that be a viable thing it, it, it that really is what it comes down to. And sometimes Capcom makes these combinations and these characters get pigeonholed. And it's like, yeah, they're never going to break out of that. Right. But if they make these other routes viable, like you were just talking about with Cody, it's like, well, maybe this like we're going to see, you know, um uh, Shazzy's Cody and then we're going to see cool kids, Cody, and they're going to look night and day different. Like, and and not, you know, that is the opportunity we could be looking at. I'm not super hopeful for it, but I do know in some cases, like, it will happen. Because that is what, you know, properly balanced, like, middle-of-the-range characters can kind of do. Like, they can go either way if their tool set
0: allows them to do so. Yeah, I think we should make a clarification here. Because when we're talking about useful V-skills that might get um, a little murkiest and uh, how we're approaching it. Um, So like with Akuma's example, his V-Skill isn't something that you see him using outright like in the neutral most of the time. But it's something that he uses in almost all of like his bread and butter combos. Right. It's integral to his side switch from outside of the corner, uh, or when he's in the corner, he uses that to get under you, uh, you know, cancel into the, do the Tatsu, and then you're, um, you know, on the other side. So it's like I, I think that he's another example of like that's that is very much ingrained right into the middle to the foundation of Akuma like i don't it's gonna be hard to replace that v skill because you're telling akuma players that they're gonna lose the ability to like you know side switch in their combos it's like well no thank you i'll keep that all day um now it's not like you're he's not able to spam it like Nikali is in the neutral and actually like the is one of the only characters that can actually get to V trigger realistically without uh, without even taking you know half life damage mm-hmm. and he does that all the time if you if you're um, good with it but uh, Akuma like it's it's so ingrained and, and same thing with Dalsim and such but. Um, so when I say that, like you know, it's it's part of their, it's it's one of those V skills that's hard to give up. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're using it, like you know, in the neutral or the, you know, but it, but it might be built into their combos. It might be built into just the basic things that they do. Where if you take that out, it changes them as a character, as the community has explored
1: them and developed them. Yeah. So now with the the new yeah, the new changes to V Skull and potentially the meta changes we've talked about like if they you know make V triggers negative on block universally right because they did that with the buki with their V trigger too maybe that's what we're looking at with this game uh, I want to remind people that right before arcade edition came out um, the top tiers according to our community community voted rankings here were Balrog Guile. Cammy, Akuma, Nikali, Yurian, Rashid, and Laura. That was the top eight, and you can see some repeat names in there. But you can also see a bunch of names that were dominating. You know, our list. Balrog was number one in our tier rankings, and You're he's so stupid. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> he's dropped down a long ways from there, and that's potentially the shakeup we're looking at here. And not only just a shakeup in the tiers, we might be looking at a big shakeup shakeup in the meta. The, the some of the fundamental ways that street fighter five is is played here and 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 i'm like okay like this is this is interesting like this is a a really big chance to kind of revitalize the game and very catered heavily to the the fighting game community right i don't know how many people are getting super hype about v skills right like that's they're they're not sexy right right? They're, they're they're sexy to the fighting game community but to like you know non-competitive players it's kind of like okay well Nash now like has like three hops in a row that he does instead of like you know just grabbing fireballs out of the air okay who cares you know type thing but for us like this is a chance to really breathe new life into it and again it goes back into Capcom's esports plans like they have to satisfy the hardcore people in the room and make them happy so that their esports stuff gets pushed up to the forefront we are the drivers we are the the big you know elephant in the room in terms of, of making uh, these fighting games work It's we're important you know um, I think
0: yeah. I think that the definition of hardcore as we've understood it previously has also started to evolve in a significant way because when I've said hardcore I've been talking about the competitive community and I've been talking specifically more so about players. I think of myself like of course I'm going to care about a new v-skill that opens up new possibilities in the meta and in the balance and everything and then you know you're when you say a casual player and such you're talking more about someone that just like oh yeah about the new street fighter because I like that and sometimes when you know we'll put it on and whatever play with a few friends, but they're mostly just button mashing or whatever and they don't have uh you know that that appreciation for one versus the other. It's like, ah, oh, I take either one. It's not that big of a deal. And you're like, oh my gosh, a single frame is a big deal. What are you talking about? Um but now that we've become much more esportsy and now that we have an audience watching, the uh well, at least with this particular example, the idea of freshening up the game, changing the pace. Maybe someone doesn't really know frame data, but they do enjoy watching the game, mm-hmm. right? So they're, they're they're somewhere in between what we've traditionally called casual and competitive. But there's a lot more people that are watching. And I think a lot of people, even though they themselves wouldn't necessarily care too much about if they could do better with a new V-Skill or something, they're going to care what Tokido does with Akuma's new V-Skill. Yes. They're going to care about watching the pros implement these different styles and strategies and so i think it's a little more significant at least than i would traditionally think i think the um the uh the percentage of the community of the crowd that this is going to affect or that uh, that will care about this has grown i don't know how much so but i'm gonna say probably fairly significantly
1: yeah so yeah i mean there's you know there's 50,000 40,000 people watching this stuff right that's a big deal Those, those eyeballs are a big deal and again your product has to be good there um i'm a big nba fan and if you're watching the worst teams in basketball play over and over again, a lot of people are going to get tired of that, you know, really quickly. But if you're watching uh, formerly the Golden State Warriors or now the Lakers or Clippers or whatever, you're going to get much more hype about that because you're watching a great product and you're watching it at a high level. And and so that transfers right onto esports and you know the finding game community. You want to watch a top level product that hopefully has good variety and is not Akuma and Rashid all over again every time mm-hmm. out. You know, it's um, and that's why I'm hype about the new V skills even though for a lot of people it might be kind of like meh um it's they have the chance to to breathe new life into the competitive scene they have a chance the balance changes all the stuff we're talking about um and we have history on our side here. We just talked about Arcade Edition with Balrog; it's killing people left and right. He's now like a mid-tier character. You know, he's he's kind of like a he's kind of like a whatever character in this, right? And and, and so this is what we're looking at. And, and history shows us like there's there's good reason for some optimism. It's not everything is going to be resolved. Not you know uh, we're we're basically calling Vega like hopeless right now at this point in time. There's a few other characters that probably fall into that category who will not be named because we don't want to be blown up on Twitter afterwards for this. But um, Vega players aren't out there on Twitter. I don't. Know where they go at, but uh, anyway <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, well yeah. look look at this look at it this way there are
0: 38 characters that we know already um that we're gonna that are gonna get new v skills and then of course the two others that are coming um that will both have those new v skills but they've got 38 shots at doing a good job yeah and that no, there's no there's no way that all of them are flops you know some of these characters are going to be uh close to perfectly uh, uh, you know executed here so I mean it's gonna be a good thing at least in some capacity hopefully more so than not but yeah and also temper
1: expectations it's not going to be for everybody so so john you said that some characters are going to be perfectly executed yeah why don't you go to name I'm a few of them. <laughs> those no i'm kidding i'm so kidding <laughs> your your twitter timeline would be dead you're like yeah i'm gonna delete twitter now thank you they're gonna uh, execute
0: yeah. the implementation of new v skills <laughs> for certain characters perfectly there you go
1: yeah uh so we better move on here before we get more hot water but but john you you've actually been looking into um the concept of risk taking uh, and and uh, I wanted you to kind of discuss like uh, what you're seeing there. Um, I, I know like, uh, Tokido Tokito and Gachikun like were, were something of an inspiration here for this.
0: Yeah, so they well uh, was it FGC translated translated some uh, conversation between the two of those, and Tokido, uh, always up there in the discussion of best fighting or best Street Fighter Five player around, and then Gachikun of course the reigning Capcom Cup champ. And they were talking about well, a little bit removed from what I'm actually going to get at, but it's in the same ballpark. And they were specifically talking the uh, the way you play in tournament, the losers versus the winners bracket, and if you get more, um, you know, reserved, or when you turn it on and go full RTSD, you know. um, And for most people, it's that you when you go into the losers bracket, it's like you're standing on the edge because you now know that uh, you could be eliminated from the tournament, and that's always kind of floating right above your head and then so therefore maybe you're gonna block a little bit more maybe you're not going to take as many risks and sometimes that ends up killing you that's happened to me countless times and uh, but tokito actually said he does the opposite he he tends to be a little more conservative in winners and then go ham in losers which was which was interesting but I've been I, I heard them talk about that and then I've been going back and watching sports Uh, a lot more high level play like you know the top 8's of a lot of the pro tour events and such and one of the things I'm noticing is is a lot more blocking and a lot more focused and intentional forward movement when it happens or or not even just forward movement but aggression when it happens because like it's so hard to be consistent in this game and and the struggle i think is probably harder for Nikali than most as we've gotten at a couple of times Mm -hmm. but the the fact of the matter is people are still getting these characters into top eights of of cbt and like machabo has been doing this like crazy well you know getting getting nicali into top eight and so it's like it's possible so how do you do that kind of a thing and what i've been focusing on doing is uh one of the things we've learned. To to do in this game is to kind of just do it and it does work fairly often but if you if you could further shave that down and make it more precise uh it definitely benefits because you know the double-edged sword of just doing it is that sometimes it doesn't work out for you and 50 50s that you know we traditionally talk about that uh in like being not in the favor of those who are defending but hey a 50 50 is like You get hit or then the opponent gets hit a lot of times. You know, wake up DP at 50-50 or whatever, even though that's not probably quite one. Um, Anyways, I've been trying to play with more reservation. And some of that is, it's very simple. It's just block more, (laughs) you know. Uh, But it's led me to do a lot less whiffing in the neutral. And I don't get punished for whiffing in the new jewel as much as I know that I can, especially if you're playing online and you're playing with people that are, you know, obviously not the pros. But it has absolutely benefited me. I've been, you know how you get stuck sometimes mm-hmm. at certain point levels, and you note it because it'll be like at a, at a flat, flat like spot. So like I've been stuck at a, just below 68,000 league points, and I've been playing over the last couple of weeks before I slice my finger, of course, and I've been just hovering around that and I'll, pa- I'll get up into 68K and I'm like, great, awesome. And then I'll fall back down and I'm like, crap, you know, and, and but I haven't been able to really pass that and leave 68K behind me. Well, implementing this has allowed me to to begin doing that. And now I'm, I'm like not going any lower than like 68, 200 and such, but I'm starting to see progress once again, where I just couldn't get it going and it, it helped me overcome a plateau. So... The kind of general takeaway here is to think about and I might have said this but it's worth saying again think about each move that you're going to do and do it with intent and then if you're not thinking about it uh, and you're not doing it with intent like don't do it at all sometimes subconsciously it's like this move is good because it crush counters and it moves you forward and it's like you know even Yuri and standing heavy punch like do it with a little more precision because yes it's going to benefit you a lot of the time because that's how this game works but it actually benefits you more of the time uh, when you don't do it all the time <laughs> and it takes me back to something I was I was talking about with Chris T I think at Combo Breaker like two years ago he said you can play a lot more patient right and even though you're playing Nikali and he's a rushdown character and what he wants to do is get in your face but if you play patient what happens? Well, they eventually open up, they do a bad jump in and then you get the knockdown because, you know, from an anti-air DP or from an overextension, you get to sweep them or something like that. And then you've got your offense and it's like, and then you can build into V-Trigger and then you go into Super Saiyan Nikali, and then the the drive is all the more there to just get up in your opponent's face and that's god that's godlike, bro, is what he said. <laughs> but then he's like, but you know what's even better is when you get to V-Trigger Nikali. And then you play patiently. Yep. That's the most godlike. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's the scariest thing ever. Uh, like um, certain characters that I'll have like a really good matchup against. And this is across any fighting game. Traditionally speaking, it's like uh, playing a Honda in uh, street fighter 4 with goken that's like one of the worst matchups ever right because i can control i can zone him so hard same thing with t hawk but there are certain players that would be so patient that they became scary even with characters that when i saw them on the character select screen i go oh free win but no it wasn't anymore so that that sense of patience that sense of like don't take as many risks even though street fighter 5 tells you take risk take risk because it's usually going to benefit you in the in the offensive long run it's like Dial it back and see if that doesn't help you a little bit. So,
1: yeah, it, it's very well said. It's we we know um, from Street Fighter 4 that autopilot is death, right? Uh, there's a there's a great group online who plays in Street Fighter 5 and their their dojo name is like JetBlue Autopilot. I love that. That's a great <laughs> name. Big shout outs to you guys, who, whoever came up with that. Um, but. Uh, autopiloting in street fighter five is punished quite a bit less. Like it's a very high level tactic because as you, as you said, like, you know, you can kind of go random or you can kind of just do moves over and over again. And they're really strong. Like too many, just do it's in this game, which we've talked about many times. And so autopiloting is not as punished as it should be, but then you run across a good player. You run across people and ranked, you get stuck, you hit a plateau, and you go, ah, crap. Like, I, I can't autopilot anymore. It's, st- it's something I've been running into trouble with, too. It's like, oh, you know, th- I, I have worked so hard on these tactics with my not, my, my character's super technical, look at me, you know, kind of thing. All the dumb crap that you should never do, I've been doing. And I have been, you know, running into like, why aren't people falling from, you know, falling for my tactics again and all that kind of stuff. And I'm looking back at my footage and going, Holy crap. I'm trying to autopilot through these matches. I'm not looking at what the player is actually doing and adjusting to it. I'm just trying to, to do my powerful, great stuff because I've worked so hard on it and I deserve (laughs) it, you know, kind of thing. And I'm, I'm an idiot. That's what it comes down to. I'm an idiot. I gotta stop doing that, and it's it's a trap you really fall into in fighting games. And and then you start wondering how come you're losing, you know. And then you start blaming the game. You go, well, the game is random, and the netcode sucks, and all this other kind of stuff. And it's like I get it. It's like those complaints aren't invalid entirely, right? But they're probably not the reason you're losing. And and Mm -hmm. you do have to evaluate the stuff. And I I love what you just said about you know evaluating your own play, really looking at the things we're doing. And trying to get better about this stuff. And again, the, the track record of Street Fighter Five is like, look, like you know, Punk is up on top, Tokido is up on top. Um, uh, I know that Knuckle is making a very good run right now. Uh, all the names that we've been talking about since the game came out are still doing well. All those players are still up there, unless they, they've left the game behind for whatever reason, um, for other life issues. It's like. They've had consistency throughout this entire run of the game. They've figured this stuff out, relatively speaking, right? And and, and it's all there. It's it, consistency can be found even with a character like Nicala or any of the other you know kind of like random characters. You can be better about this stuff. It's all if if you're willing to accept that blame of, of your you know your shortcomings as a player, or if you want to put that blame on something else. And if you put that blame on something else, you're probably going to be stuck where you're at. And if you're able to analyze the problems that you have and you're able to get past these walls and these barriers and it's not easy, you will improve.
0: Thank you for bringing up the term autopilot because that's exactly what, <laughs> what I should have been saying this entire time uh, because it implies that you're not actively engaged on, you know, enough of a, of a direct level with what you're doing. You're not conscious enough of, um, of exactly what's going on, exactly what your actions are. And so there's so much wiggle room for things to go wrong or for things to not, you know, you just be more and more and more precise in your play. And one of the cool things that you'll notice when you start doing this is that, you're naturally going to fall back into your old habits because that's just the way we are and, and you you know you tidy them up but it's a, certainly a process and during that process you'll do certain things where like you'll completely whiff uh, like a heavy button or something right in front of your opponent and they won't punish you but you'll go ooh I should have gotten hit there and if I was playing Bonchan right now I would have gotten hit there and, and even though you weren't punished for it you're still aware of it and you still go next time don't do it mm-hmm. and it and you it, it kind of works with itself and that awareness helps you to expedite the process. Not only is it good for your game immediately, but it also helps you to learn faster and do the things that you're trying to do. Learn the lessons that you're trying to teach your fingers while you're playing faster.
1: Yeah. Um, Speaking of autopilot, me reminding you of that term that you apparently forgot. I need you to actually start randomly texting me that about every three days. So I remember (laughs) myself because I just it's going right out of my damn brain. And I've only been doing this for, you know, since Street Fighter 2 came out. And I'm just like, oh, I'm an idiot. Like, why? why?" It just. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) take a
0: piece of tape and uh put it like on the top of your monitor it just says autopilot and remind yourself and that still won't work (laughs) you'll just look at it and get mad because you don't even have an excuse it's right there in front of you and you still did it and that's part of it guys it's not gonna happen overnight it's not you're gonna your entire fighting game career it's still gonna happen you still see the pros screw up on this so don't expect perfection out of yourself just push yourself to continue to develop
1: yeah try and get better uh that's one of the big notes i have for myself uh i try to say that every match like before just hey focus on getting better you know um, and there it is so there it is all right so the last thing we have here is uh red bull pin drop which was kind of like a random event announced here it's going to be the thursday before capcom cup uh it is quote unquote, a secret meeting here uh we're going to have our staff um it's possible uh we're gonna have our staff i should say there at the event um it's possible we might see a few things before capcom cup starts on thursday um it might just be the build with gill in it uh, plus new v skills um, but it's worth keeping an eye out on thursday evening um, these groupings in the past they have sometimes come up with some really cool stuff where Capcom's like oh yeah we're just gonna go ahead and showcase this to people you know uh, a little in advance and whatnot sometimes not so a bit of a dice roll um, but I do recommend uh, keeping an eye out here on Thursday we're gonna have you know if anything major happens we'll have it up on event hubs like right away and then of course uh, we'll be at the event uh, reporting on it if anything you know major goes down so sounds good. All right, you guys, that's going to wrap us up for this week of the Event Host Podcast. Once again, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you soon.
0: Yep, thank you guys. I want to wish everyone a uh, happy Thanksgiving. And uh, one more thought to uh, to go away with it. it. It can be very difficult. I'm preparing to have families over at the house and everything, and you know, any, on any one of these gatherings, the holidays can be a very stressful time where people come together and not everyone sees eye to eye and has the same kind of views and whatnot. But the one thing that everyone... Every last one of your loved ones and yourself can agree on is that Bluebell homemade ice cream brings families together because it's just a churn above the rest. Bluebell homemade ice cream. Watch a sunrise.